recording. Uh, I want to thank everyone who's watching or listening. Right now, we're trying to do my first ever video podcast, and I have a, a friend here who's willing to be a guinea pig, uh, former state senator Willis Sparrow. He is a, a longtime politician, um, and he is an author of a new book, which we're going to talk about, called Passion in Paradise. So uh, I want to pass it over to you, Senator, if you can uh, just give a little background about yourself. Aloha, James, and thanks for having me today. Uh, yes, uh, I retired from the legislature in 2018 as a state senator. I served 19 years in the legislature, as well as uh, worked eight years with uh, former Mayor Frank Fossey in his administration. He hired me when I was 26 years old, and uh, I was in charge of Oahu's neighborhood board system. Oh, uh, something you're really uh, familiar with. Uh, <laughs> Downtown is quite an active board. And yeah, I, I ran that for eight years. And I was fortunate to be appointed by Governor Cayetano for state rep because my representative oh, had nice. stepped down to, to join the private sector. Oh, so um, uh, moving fast forward to 2018, um, I had completed a, a book, a novel, uh, just the manuscript but I had just let it sit for, uh, for some time. So finally now, you know, with this COVID and all and being restricted and being home, uh, I decided just to finalize and finish the book. So I'm very proud to, to say my first novel is done. Uh, people can go to um, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com and other um, book buying um, platforms to purchase it. And I'll be, uh, we could talk about it down the road this month, as well as first Friday, March. I'll be having um, in-person book signings downtown. One at um, Art at Mark's Garage, the first one, February 19. And the second one, March 4th, will be at the Downtown Art Center. Awesome. Are you excited? Yes, I am. Are you nervous? Yes, to, <laughs> to, a, to a degree. I mean, I, I'm very happy and proud of the book. It is my first one. But uh, I know I'll improve and get better, and hopefully this is something I could now do as a as a retired uh, politician and citizen of Hawaii, and and write about uh, what's going on here. It's the, the stories are fiction, of course. Right. Um, but um, FYI, I'm sort of wearing my uh, economic development hat still. You know, in as a legislator, you want <laughs> a legislator, you want a good economy, create jobs. And I'm hoping that uh, maybe someone might read my book and say, hey, this might be a great uh, television series. Yeah. Because, you know, there's there's so many new platforms out there now compared to, let's say, 10 years, 20 years, even 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. and, and and Hawaii, uh, this is a great opportunity for our state to, especially in the post-COVID time, to um, build in the culture and arts and in particular the film industry. I mean, just in the last few years, all these new platforms from, you know, Netflix, Hulu, yeah, yeah. you know, Prime, Disney Plus. Uh, there's so many Spectrum. I don't know if I said that already, and 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 they're looking for content. I mean, this is a billion dollar worldwide global um, network and opportunity in filmmaking because, you know, you could, you know put things in all the languages nowadays. Yeah. And why shouldn't Hawaii be a place where filmmakers and actors and actresses um, um, thrive? And we are. Um, over the years, we've had so many shows. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I'm correct, 
I think the uh, uh, the economy, the economic value of the film industry is probably, um, I'll say, between three hundred and five hundred million dollars. And I've spoken with some people who say, why couldn't that be a billion dollar industry? Yeah, yeah. And in the legislature, as you know, we um, supported the new UH West Oahu with a brand new film school mm-hmm. run by Chris Lee, you know, former Hollywood executive. Oh wow! And uh, he's doing a great job there. Um, pumping out um, local um, educated filmmakers going through the university system, and, and hopefully many will go through there and 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 create. And yeah. if we could get a film studio built, a new one. Yeah, I was just going to say that because yeah. just doing the um, like the background work on the TV shows Magnum PI and CIS. Um, there's so many people. There's so many jobs, and they're all like really good paying jobs for the most part. Right. Uh, I know Teamsters is one of the unions. Um, I don't know. There's another union that I forget the name of it, but just the amount of people that are working on like one production is kind of, you know, it's fascinating. That's why I like doing it. I like just kind of seeing what's going on in the background. Uh, SAG is obviously one of the main unions there for the actors. Yeah. 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 And uh, it's just, it's uh, fascinating to see how it all comes together, but it's also, um, I've become a real proponent now of like you were saying, like the film studio, because I think we're missing an opportunity here. It's kind of like in Hawaii, you know, as a former legislator, we kind of are always in the back of the train instead of in front of the train. Well, part of the problem, though, is that it's such a competitive business. Mm-hmm. And and filming in Hawaii is a little more expensive than other places. You know, other towns and countries know the value of, of um, the film industry and how even it ties to tourism because um, films, television shows can promote any location and place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but um, yes, this is something where, you know, you're not only talking about the actors and the cameramen and the editors, but you're talking about catering businesses, mm-hmm. flowering businesses, um, people that support uh, the film industry, um, makeup, hair, there's so many. And um, with COVID, you know, where we, if we could shoot more outdoors and people are outdoors, mm-hmm. obviously that's better than being indoors. So, yeah. yes, I'm hoping that it's a long shot, but maybe someone might say, hey, yeah, maybe we could do a, a political a drama. One of my favorite shows was uh, West Wing <laughs> from long, yeah, long ago, wow. right? Yeah. And then obviously uh, the more uh, recent one, um, the political show that <laughs> House of Cards. Yeah, House of Cards, yeah, right? You know that that was, that was a classic. Yeah, you know, so I'd like to hope that maybe my uh, book can turn into something like that. So, you know, the character development and the plots are real important. Yeah. 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 Interesting. But you said, uh, you were saying earlier that you kind of wrote the book with a TV kind of mindset. Yes. So that someone reading it will say, hey, this would look great on television. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to have good characters, good plots. And yeah, I hope I delivered. And yeah. I think I think that's a, a really good way to do it because people love watching TV, right? Okay. So I think when they're reading the book, if you wrote it to be like a TV show in a sense, uh, you know, it's kind of giving more to the imagination for them and, and more, um, I guess, more information that they can use to visualize what's happening. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. But one of the reasons that I, I um, have always liked you, though, was you are one of the, I guess, one of the only lawmakers 
who has ever stood up for police reform and caught a lot of flack about it. <laughs> like every session, um, what was your, your motivation for going after police reform and what type of reform were you going after and did you succeed? Do you feel like you succeeded? Oh, I, I believe I, I did succeed. And I would say the majority of the people I've dealt with or even individuals who talked with me um, supported me. So when you said there was flack, I think there's just controversy. Mm-hmm. And I'm one, obviously, for transparency and openness in government. So, um, for example, one of my bills um, was the creation of what we have today, a statewide um, independent review board when there's police shootings, mm-hmm. right? Now, the police, some of them don't like that because they don't want an independent review. They believe that their in-house system was fine. But we in the legislature thought otherwise and passed this. So you can see that that doesn't harm a police officer right. unless you're a bad police officer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let me say that I, you know, I support our men and women in blue. I believe the majority of the residents do. Mm-hmm. But we demand accountability. Mm-hmm. And we want responsible police officers because uh, theirs is the only position where Someone can say stop, and you can just, if for just about everyone else, you can just ignore them and walk away in public. Mm-hmm. But if a police officer says stop, you generally have to stop because of the badge and the power and authority that they have. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, some of their decisions, as we've seen on on the news, you know, have, have been questionable and suspect. And that's where, you know, we need good training. We need strong supervision and monitoring of these individuals. And, and we need a, a good review of their performance. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking at improving the police department, for example. And uh, I'll say one thing with Chief Kealoha when he was in office, now, I approached him. I Well, I introduced legislation that said officers couldn't drink alcohol and carry their gun because they could. Prior, it blows my mind. Like, that's kind of like common sense. You don't. Right. And it, it was the judgment of the officer in most cases, right? Well, but, uh, you know, there were incidences that uh, have had led to shootings um, where officers were involved and one, one uh, very. Uh, um, publicized one was on the, the King Street shooting where uh, uh, a waitress or bartender was shot by a police officer who was showing off his gun. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I and, know about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have the newspaper articles. But, you know, it, it's basic improvement of departments. And as lawmakers, it's our job to make sure all departments and agencies are doing well. And like you said, but most people like to believe um, that the police are the good guys, and they are. But um, there are a few bad apples in there, and those are the guys that I'm trying to weed out and get out. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, um, their decisions can be life and death. Uh, and and or you have a, a police officer who has um, anger issues or who, who's considered a hothead, you know, that can be problems. Yeah. Thus, you see, you know, the rise of the black 
Lives Matter and, and, and cases on the news that are being publicized now that cell phones are available, you know, yep. much more is available to the public to see and hear. So, yeah, I'm just talking about improvements in state government all around and, and the police and law enforcement are a part of that state government. And, and by the way, did you know that um, to be a police officer, all you need is a GED? Yeah, actually, I've taken the HPD exam three times, three or four times, and I've started going through the process. But because I was military police for eight years in the army, so I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of a natural transition. But just the history of the department and the, and the culture within, I just, in my, my stomach and my gut, I just always stopped. I see, I would always say, okay, you know what, I don't want to do it. And then later on, I would have a change of heart. Like, you know what? Why not? You know, but um, because I used to work alongside HPD as an MP. Um, and then I used to train with their SSD because I was on the Army's like SRT, which is like special reaction team. It's kind of our version of a SWAT team for garrison posts. Mm-hmm. Um, and those guys were awesome. So that was always my goal, like to join HPD, do whatever I had to do, but then try out for the SSD. I thought that would be awesome. But yeah, something... I think even recently as of 2019 or yeah, 2019, I took the evaluation, the fitness test, everything up to the psychological exam. And I was just like, you know what? I I still just don't feel uh, comfortable. And I think that's kind of, uh, I think that's kind of sad Mm -hmm. because there's, it's probably not just me. Right. Um, But like you were saying, when you're recruiting, I guess it's a double-edged sword, as you know, you're recruiting people with just a GED or a high school diploma. Um, but they haven't been really tested in any other type of, of market, like, uh, you know, researching things in college or, 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 you know, in a business managing, operating, probably haven't been around a lot of people. Cause you're taking like these people fresh out of high school, right? But been out maybe one or two years and then, they could just be a cop, but they don't have a well-rounded experience, I guess, is what I'm trying to right. say. Right. No. Yeah. The, the life experiences. And- but, how, but how do you recruit for a job that even, I think, I don't think the standards were always that low, were they? But they lowered it to recruit people. But now you can't even. No, I believe they've always been really? that low. Interesting. And I mean, and to be fair, uh, many of the officers, you know, have, have done some, you know, a community college mm. or have some have degrees and some of them are transitioning from the military like you said mm. but again that is the the standard though just the ged that's um, crazy to me and um but uh, like other jobs in government and even the private sector today we have a a labor shortage right you know um you know you, you hear about japan and 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 how um they're population of elderly is growing and and it, we're not as bad as them but you know, they're going to have to start importing um, massive employees one day and yeah. labor to take care of the Japanese economy or robots, and, and, or robots. no and, yeah. and robots are going to be the next big yeah. controversial society change you'll see James and it's going to happen soon. It's going to be qu- it's happening quick as it is. Well, yeah. it's happening now like you go into any McDonald's for example or Walmart and you see n- no cashiers. Um but um 
no, I think there's going to be some ethical issues, some moral issues on, on, on what these AI intelligent units do and, or what these beings, you know, yeah. look like and do and, uh, but it, stay tuned. It's interesting though, that you brought up the, the labor shortage because of COVID because I, th- I think one of the reasons, uh, there's a lot of reasons, obviously, but one of the reasons is it's kind of people like yourself. Now you're you didn't retire because of COVID, right? You, you no, no, of, no, no, no. You yeah. retired just to kind just of a couple of years before. Other things. Yeah. Yes, but I think a lot of people realized during COVID, like you know, they had more time to self reflect, and they just decided like this isn't. I want to pursue what I want to pursue. I right. Wanna, I want to do what makes me happy, even if it doesn't make a lot of money. Um, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of the, like the labor shortages because, like, for me, okay, so I work for the state. I work at the food stamp office. Um, we don't get paid much, but man, the things that we have to deal with, the types of people that we have to deal with. Um, when I look back, it just kind of blows my mind to think like, wow, like I really used to do that because we used to see people in person, but now we don't. They're supposed to start opening up the offices again, but um, a lot of people are already talking about retiring or leaving because it's kind of like, those types of jobs or service industry jobs that are having a lot of the problems. Like when you go to work, the customer is always right. And no matter what you do, you're wrong and you get scolded, you get in trouble for things. And I think a lot of people are just tired of that. Like, um, you know, especially if you're like a bartender or a waiter and a cut and a client or a customer wants to be rude and you know, you're human, you can only take so much, but then your, your manager scolds you or you get in trouble because the customer is always right. But Customer's not always right. Customer could be a Karen, right? <laughs> but I think, exactly. I think uh, I think that's kind of why we see like the labor shortage, but also I see it as it's helping the transition, like you were saying, that was going to happen instead of it being like twenty years. Maybe now it's down to like five. Right, right, right. Because now a lot of companies are saying, "Well, you know, I can't get cashiers at McDonald's, so we need to expedite the touch screens and things like that." Plus, it's interesting how at the legislature um, today, now, you know, they're talking about raising the minimum wage to eventually $18, <laughs> which <laughs> which is, again, that the impact on, on small businesses and our economy is going to be significant. But but this is the transition that we as humanity and society have to go. I mean, we have to find that point. And, and this is really important because Hawaii um, has, is turning into a state of haves and have nots. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for people who own real estate in Hawaii, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the real estate market here for the last 50, 60, 70 years has been explosive on an upward trend, as we all know. Um, real estate is a solid investment in Hawaii. And, and now the median price of a home is a million dollars. And, and many local people um, are just – being priced out of um, owning a home and moving away. And I just talking to some friends the other day and saying that this is how it's going to be for a long time. Because right now, as one who's was in office for 19 years, I don't see how um, anyone's going to come up with a plan to come up with the shortage of houses let's say within the 10 years and you know we lack land we lack labor as we said and and now and and the price of um goods and services are going up 
Um, can we can we talk about the housing for a second? Just uh, and I do talk about housing in my book, by the way, Passion of Paradise. Yeah, you know, I I, I mention and incorporate three issues into my novel: the legalization and the legal decriminalization, legalization of cannabis, decriminalization and legalization of prostitution, and ending homelessness. So those issues are thrown around in some chapters and by some characters in certain settings. Uh, yeah. Again, just to to let people know that these are real issues that are still out there and and to reflect on, on what their opinion is. Um, personally, I think uh, cannabis can be a, 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 a major boost for our economy and savior for many um, blue-collar and low-income families. If, if every household had an opportunity to 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 grow cannabis and sell it that's an easy source of part-time income now where a family a household can make hundreds of dollars and maybe at thousands of dollars um you know, this is a, a plant that never should have been banned yeah in the 1930s and 40s it was banned purely for economic greed the millionaires and billionaires of that time wanted to destroy the cannabis hemp industry mm -hmm. and they did yeah they they destroyed it they shut it down and they profited for example um william hurst uh, he was one of the collaborators um he owned all the forest yeah. and paper <laughs> and paper and forest competed against hemp the, de the declaration of independence was written on hemp okay and and DuPont, their family, they were part of this because uh, DuPont at that time they were working on polyesters and artificial yeah. type material. And what did they want to get rid of? Hemp, because <laughs> what was hemp being used for? Um, sales, mm -hmm. clothing, pants. Hemp was huge used throughout our history um the colonies one of their early requirements was to grow hemp and it was an export crop sent back to europe hmm. but these in the, henry ford listen to this wanted to build a car made out of hemp <laughs> there's a thing it. there's a thing now called hemp plastic which is super strong yeah. he wanted to build it out of hemp and run it on hemp fuel that would be awesome. See, and again, one of the collaborators back then um, was with the oil companies, okay? And, and thus, um, there were so many. So, so there were lies made up. Um, the issue of racism came up. They mm -hmm. were saying that, you know, the, the, the marijuana was a tool of the blacks yeah. and the Mexicans and Filipinos, and, and they're going to go crazy and, 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 and get the white women and all these lies and, and racist remarks that were put in where? The newspapers yeah. owned by William Hearst. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Uh, so, yeah. so cannabis, banning cannabis was based on a lie. A huge lie, but isn't 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 it like a lot of things are like that? So one of the most recent things, I don't know if you've ever listened to the the Joe Rogan podcast, but there has been uproar. I don't listen to Joe Rogan, <laughs> but the but the media has has 
basically he gets more, he gets 11 million viewers average, whereas CNN is down to like 900,000 or something. So they've lost 90% of their viewership. And what they've done is they've done exactly that. They, they're attacking the competition in a sense of trying to, to discredit them and, and make them look bad. And again, they're calling them racist. And well, but, if you, but, yeah. if, but if you actually listen to the show, it's yeah, he has people on who might be controversial, but he doesn't necessarily sit and agree with them. He'll argue with them, but he just has different people on who have different. It's kind of like the goal of this, right. right? Just whoever is, I think is interesting. Come on. I might not agree at all with what you have to say, but um, at least now more people know how you think, mm. how you feel. So, you know, but. And, and today, so getting back in, um, over 30 states have passed medical cannabis bills, over 30. So the trend is obviously yeah. moving forward. And 18 states plus the District of Columbia allow um, cannabis, legalized cannabis for adult use. So the trend, we're not yet at 50, but it's going upward. Mm. Um, and um, you know, this is one of the big issues of, of, of our time right now, um, cannabis. Although it's, it may not be on, on, on President Biden's mind, for example, but mm. obviously uh, what it has turned into where it is legal, um, it's a billion dollar yeah. industry, a multi-billion dollar industry. And many states have looked at it to um, raise money. So the question to um, you, to the listeners out there, is: um, Would you rather see taxes, more taxes on uh, food, or alcohol, or drinks, or fuel, or taxes, more income tax, um, property tax, or can we tax cannabis and legalize it? Um, the way we tax alcohol and cigarettes, which many people believe are worse than cannabis. Mm -hmm. See, th the problem with cannabis uh, was that um, it was good for society. It was beneficial. And by the way, part of the collaborators back then too were the Rockefellers because they wanted to create a centralized corporate health system. Mm. Whereas cannabis was a plant that many people were using and healing themselves. So, you know, you can't patent a plant. Yeah. But this is the exactly argument about it. the pharmacy industry and all. So, you know, it's going to be up to Congress and the president to figure out a plan um, nationally. And then lacking that, the states are doing it on their own. A and mind you, James, Canada has legalized Mexico, <laughs> which is <laughs> Mexico. Uh, the Supreme court has told the lawmakers, you must legalize it. It's unconstitutional to ban it. So Mexico will be legalizing soon. And the United States is so eventually I see Canada, United States and Mexico creating the largest cannabis uh, in industry in the world. And then hopefully other countries will come 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 in, especially those in Europe. But um, yes, I do um, talk about it a little in my in my book. How does, so I guess you, I'm assuming you took your experiences from your years in politics and things that you've done, seen, and heard, morph them into your your story. Yeah. Um, so kind of like how does the the marijuana tie into your your passion in paradise? Let's well, see if we can get up for okay. the. 
it's backwards, I think, but you know. <laughs> well, for starters, um, uh, I have a couple patients who are medical cannabis uh, patients, a couple characters who are medical cannabis oh, okay. patients. I was like, wait, is a doctor? <laughs> yeah. So I have a couple patients who are medical cannabis. And because it's the legislature, right, that's involved in, in politics and lawmakers, I do have uh, one of my characters is a strong advocate for legalizing cannabis. So, th so that's where that discussion comes in on legalizing cannabis, and um, yeah, he has support from from lawmakers as well. Uh, you know, Representative Kistler, one of my uh, um, characters, she's a uh, you know a liberal lawmaker who uh, state representative who who's the the point for the legalization of cannabis and uh, regulation of prostitution. Oh, that's nice. And yeah. in the book, in, in the, the book, book. So yes, definitely, yeah. right, exactly. So I guess I kind of I'm curious. I want to know what made you inspired to write the book. Is it something you've always had in your mind, like a goal to write a book one day? Like when you actually decided the day, hey, I'm going to start now. Right. Take me through that process. Well, my whole life I've enjoyed the arts. You know, I, I was the I like. I could see that. You know, singing. I like. Acting, I like coloring. You know, you know, art in in elementary and middle school. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in the band. Um, I took Were you? A, uh, trumpet. I played trumpet. <laughs> Do you have a picture of you in like the band outfit? Uh, no, ah. <laughs> or yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, you know, I, I think you know they have one of one side of your brain is creative. I I do have a creative side. And um, writing was something I like to do. I've 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 done a, um, a small book on poetry. I write poetry as that's well, right. and that's one of my next books, my, uh, a collection of my poetry, um, as well as a sequel to Passion in Paradise, which I've already started. Oh wow! So nice. so I, I just enjoy writing in general, and and once I retired, um, you know, I made the decision recently that um. Uh, I'm going to devote a lot of my time now to, to helping care for my parents because um, oh. my dad is 88 years old. Uh, he'll be 89 this year, and my mom is 87. She'll be 88. So, um, you know, they don't drive. Uh, you know, I do most of the shopping now. I take them to their appointments. Mm -hmm. And um, thankfully, um, because of my retirement from state and county government, I, I worked for uh, 27 years. So, yeah, I am getting my pension now. So nice. so that allows me not to work. And uh, the writing uh, now is an opportunity for me to take my knowledge and skills and see if I can, can maybe start a second career. Mm -hmm. Plus, um, again, I'm looking at ways of still helping Hawaii mm -hmm. because um, I, I could see this as, as I, I could start a screenplay on this as someone would say, yeah, I think we'd be interested, write something and see, mm -hmm. you know, one of my good friends and you know him, uh, former representative John um, Karamatsu, right? Uh, you know, he's, he writes screenplays and we've talked about writing and, and, and um, how we could uh, uh, do things post legislature. So uh, this is that opportunity now to stay at home more and, and uh, take care of my folks and, and do something that's worthy. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. I, yeah. And it's, it's like you, you're taking care of your, your passion and your parents, which I think is super important because uh, I come from, of course, the mainland, East Coast, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 
city of champions if you watch football, the Steelers. But anyway, uh, <laughs> for us, it seems like when our parents get old, we just throw them in the old folks' home. We're like, ah, oh, we're not. We don't want to deal with that. Uh, but I've always admired um, friends that I made, like here in Hawaii, or even when I used to live in Brazil. They move their parents in with them or they move in with their yeah. parents and take care of their parents. There's no sending them to the home and things like that. Right. In the Filipino culture, that's well, and, and many cultures as well mm. and, and in Asia, but, but definitely um, I'm, I'm Filipino and you know, that's part of it. Uh, that multi-generational living is something that's yeah. not unusual. And, and actually here in Hawaii, you know, that's going to be the norm in the future, in my opinion. I mean, there's there's already a lot of multi-generational people living in Hawaii, mm. uh, homes, households. And and it's going to continue just because of the, the high cost of living. And um, you're going to see um, affordable homes built and affordable projects built, but uh, it's not going to be enough right now. You know, no. and, and rail is part of the solution because... You, of the TOD transit oriented development with high density units around the stations. Mm -hmm. But look at the problems we're having just finishing rail. And, and I believe we're going to finish it and I believe it's going to be damn expensive, mm -hmm. but James, and there's a lot of people today, very critical of rail and they should be, but in 20 years, in 30, in 10 years, in 20 years, in 50 years, in a hundred years, that rail is going to be uh, an important, part of our transportation infrastructure because in every huge economy and especially uh you know a big city like ours you have to have a good transportation and road infrastructure if you don't you will cripple your economy and yeah. and it won't be for goods and services but our rail will be for for the um, the workers yeah. that are living and working around along the rail line and and i even see it being a, a destination for tourists you know they'll spend the whole day you know from, yeah, from west around. oahu <laughs> to uh you know to to downtown so um i would take advantage of it even though i have like a motorcycle and a car um if i could just take the the rail to like kapolei and cruise out there for the afternoon i would do right. that instead of having to drive oh you will see a lot of that uh, and i believe you can take a bicycle on the rail so, oh, yeah. so you could you know go further out right yeah and ride right which yeah. would be nice right around the west side over there it's beautiful very flat there. it's yeah. a good place because it's very flat and when it's interesting because we'll talk about the housing for a second the if you look at the aloha stadium redevelopment plan I don't know. It, did you see the fifty-three towers? What are yeah. your thoughts on that? Well, I'm 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 good friends with uh, Senator Chang. And yeah, I like Stanley. He's he was looking at the the Singapore model on how they built homes. Um, many high rises, tightly packed. Um, but I agree with you that that rendering that was in the newspaper um, was, was very unattractive and, yeah. and unappealing. But, um, you know, the three governors, Governor Cayetano, Governor Abercrombie, and Governor Waihei were right when they're saying that we should make sure that there's a large allotment of affordable housing at that Aloha Stadium place. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not the amount that we saw in the newspaper, yeah, but it is an opportunity. Um, 
but people need to realize that to build all of these things that are being suggested is going to take decades. Oh, yeah. Decades. Yeah. And that's why this problem is not going to get solved overnight. If we can solve it, I don't even know if it's solvable. Hawaii um, will be known as an expensive place. And uh, that's just the way it is. Um, I'd like to see someone, you know, and there's all these billionaires that are moving here, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Pierre Omidyar, you know, with the owner of Civil Beat, uh, the Ellison guy from Lanai, uh, Oprah, the Zuckerbergs, Crazy. and who who knows other. I met a Chinese billionaire um, a couple of years ago. I'm near Ala Moana. Um, it would be great if there was an initiative where we take all these billionaires and we take our isolated islands because we are the largest population and the most isolated of this size. Uh, so we're a microcosm of the world. And But wouldn't it be neat if we could come up with a model for the world, for humanity, where everyone contributes? You contribute whether it's a dollar a year or a million a year, but everyone contributes and and we support capitalism, um, but we want to use those revenues and profits from capitalism and from businesses working to help to make certain that no one in Hawaii is homeless, mm -hmm. no one in Hawaii is hungry, and no one in Hawaii um, lacks health care. You know those three basic things. If we if we could develop a model. For the world, you know that would be great to do, and uh, you know, we, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, I'm 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 concerned about the future of Hawaii for the working class, uh, you know, for the poor, for the low income. Yeah. Um, like I said, the status quo, what you're seeing now, folks, it's going to be like this for a very long time because I just I don't see any plan. I don't see any politician. Now, recently in the news. The House of Representatives came up with a $600 million um, idea for Hawaiian homelands. <clears throat> but, you know, we could spend $500 million of that just on infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. Infrastructure without one house being built just on infrastructure. But then there's going to be the problem, you know, the other problem. So, so that's, and, and that one wasn't even, um, is not likely to pass with that sum of money. I'd be very surprised. But, mm. um, you know, it, there's a governor's race and um, there hasn't been a whole lot of talk yet on housing and the cost of living. And that's something that uh, the voters should be thinking about mm -hmm. and asking questions about. Another area that they should be pushing is, um, and this is related to my novel, but home-based industries. <laughs> you know, I wrote this book. Uh, at home, yeah, you know, you know, people can cook at home. You could brew beer at home. Mm -hmm. uh, you could plant things at home, and if you can um, provide an environment where where there's accountability and responsibility and an oversight on home based industries, that could be a way for people to stay home, stay off our roads, work from home, and um, you know. But you know how government works, right? 
Well, that's why we need... They, they will tax, and, and there'll be so many regulations, and, and basically they'll just make it so the average person can't afford to work from home. So, Well, but that's what I'm saying. We, we need a change in attitude. We need some yeah, some visionary thinking. Um, because it's, it's kind of like, while they're talking about raising the minimum wage, mm-hmm. they're also raising other taxes, other fees, and then they're expanding their budget. So it's like, wait, you're going to pay me $18 an hour minimum wage, but you've just raised taxes 75%, and now you've expanded the government more, which is going to cost me more. So well, well, and a lot of it, though, James, is that as one who's was a lawmaker, yeah, you know, yes, we want to watch how much taxes we collect, but at the same time, our electorate, our residents, they have a lot of demands, mm-hmm. huge demands, and we have here in Hawaii things that other governments on the mainland don't don't. Um, have and pay for it. Uh, for example, I'll name you three. The first one is education. On the mainland, as you know, that a lot of uh, counties and towns pay for their education. Yeah. Right. They they levy. I remember. See, my dad was in the navy, <laughs> and uh, I lived in the navy town, and uh, I lived in Washington State. My junior year, the voters voted down a proposition or maybe my sophomore year, um, on raising taxes for schools. My junior year, <laughs> we had to cut out sports. We cut out sports in my high school, my junior year. And then we brought them back my senior year, and then we <laughs> had a great senior year. But um, Hawaii pays, the state government pays for education, which is in the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, Okay. And then we pay for jails and prisons. Mm-hmm. In the mainland, you might have a state prison, but you have county jails all around in the mainland. But it's a state function here. Hmm. And then you also have the healthcare system. Okay, um, again, on the mainland, you have um, the the counties paying for a lot of health care, federal, but not the state. But here, you know, we have our, our the state system, the state health care system on all the islands so that every citizen has the, the um, same level of care and services. Mm-hmm. Because Oahu does subsidize a lot of the living on the neighbor islands. And let me repeat that so people understand. Hey. Oahu subsidizes a lot of the neighbor island living. And so... Um, that's why we have the state system, and that's why we have the tax system and structure we have. And although many people complain about it, Hawaii is still one of the best places to live in the world. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't but, argue that. But primarily if you have wealth and money. Mm-hmm. But you could still live here, and, and many people do, like I said, in multi-generational homes, yeah. smaller homes. Um, but we don't have, like, for example, on Oahu, we don't have really low rent districts anymore. Yeah, yep. We used to, but those days are gone. And and you know you don't have places for for the poor or low income. And you know rooms are being rented for five hundred, six hundred, eight hundred, a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's just the way it is. So hopefully there'll be political leaders with a vision. There can be people who can come up with ideas, you know, that 
that can work or at least be considered. And and uh, and in my book, when I bring up issues again, it's just to, that that's um, what I do as a person because I was a lawmaker. Throw out ideas, mm-hmm. and it's to remind people that you know these are issues that we we still have to uh, take care of. So. No, I have two families, by the way. You know, it's the Wong family and Henderson family, and they they came in the 1800s. So there are some flashbacks to the 1800s where <laughs> the Wong family and the Henderson family um, interacted, oh, and nice. that interaction continued throughout the years to modern day Hawaii, where uh, Jared Wong runs against Thomas Henderson for the office of governor. And then it goes from there. <laughs> That's awesome. And your book, <clears throat> how long did it take you to write? On and off, maybe a year. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, it didn't take too long, yes. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm hoping that the sequel will be completed. The manuscript will be completed by summer. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. And then we'll try to get it out by fall. Ah, yeah, because wow. yeah, I was thinking like, oh, maybe like uh, at least two years but uh, well, like I said, it was on and off, on and off, and um, just because I was doing other things. So now that with my retirement, it gave me an opportunity to finish it up, um, you know, and 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 see where 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 it goes and where where it takes me. Do you miss legislating? You miss like working? Yeah, at the Capitol? I, I I miss it. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm happy with the way things are now. Uh, as I said, especially you know, at my point in life, I'm I'll be 62 years old this year. <laughs> and, don't um, look like it. So. And uh, thank you. It's the it's the genes, <laughs> but uh, but I am spending more time with my my parents, and that's that that's really uh, uh it's priceless. Yeah, you know, I, things I've done with them that you know, uh, I realized, geez, if I was working or I wasn't at home, I I wouldn't experience this or see this or yeah. hear this and 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 it also gave me a, a perspective on on aging and and how do we deal with an aging and you know i i my family were fortunate that we're all together mm. uh, but uh I, I i think about the elderly people who are living at home alone or who are struggling to make ends meet and and again it's uh you know I hope that we could somehow create a society here where we can take care of each other and and for people who are you know um uh, you know drug addicts they need rehabilitation and treatment mm-hmm. or people that need you know um you know, jobs we give them the training and or or the retraining but uh you know there's no reason why if you want a job you don't have a job Mm-hmm. We do have a labor shortage in, in many industries, in law enforcement, in teaching, in healthcare, in education, you know, in the retail industry. I mean, you know, even the minimum wage, you know, you know people don't want to go to work. So um, there's a shortage of minimum wage workers and they're trying to raise the minimum wage to get people back to work. And it's, it's a catch 22. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going through an interesting time right now, James, as you know. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how it all like levels out. In the next, I guess, oh my God, like decade. I don't even know. Yeah, I think the next five years to 10 years will be, you know, that I, I like to think that is there an opportunity for a shift mm-hmm. in thinking or, or behaving? And, and and where will that be? Um, you know, with President Biden, you know, he has some challenges um, primarily because of COVID. And, and people need to remember that um, it's really not a matter of who's in office when it's dealing with COVID because. COVID is in control. 
Yeah. No, but the, the key thing is to acknowledge that the COVID is in control and the COVID is here because, you know, the former president uh, was hesitant and, and it took him a while to, mm -hmm. to, to get on the train. <laughs> and we know that. And, that's a whole new segment right there. We won't about, but um, you know, the president, you know, COVID uh, is it's this has happened before with the Spanish flu a hundred years ago. It's going to happen again. Um, mm. There are diseases out there that we don't know of. There are viruses out there that are lurking in in forest and within animals. And this is, you know, just that how it is. And hopefully, we can get control of this the way we got control of. You know, measles, smallpox, yeah. polio, all these other. I mean, this is just, this is the cycle of. I have faith. You know, yeah. a lot of people that are afraid of like the vaccine or they say, oh, how do we make the vaccine so fast? I remember like early on when COVID, when we were doing the lockdowns, um, they were talking about IBM switch their supercomputer from mapping the galaxy or the universe to analyzing the COVID, you know, like that's. You know, the technology we have today is f far superior to what we ever had in the past. So uh, in my opinion, the vaccine is, is like is fine. But that is one of the keys to the covid. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I, just, I don't believe in mandating it, but I do think that if you want to continue society as normal, um, it's something that we have to take care of. today. Yes. Yeah. Well, one clear fact is the majority of the people who are dying are anti uh, vaxxers mm. they don't have the vaccination you know and the vaccination will not stop you from getting the illness but it'll likely save your life and possibly keep you out of the hospital that's plain and simple yeah and if people don't believe that so i think one i'm the, sorry I think <laughs> one of the issues sad. yeah i think one of the issues is like uh, a lot of people especially americans right we have that attitude of you're not going to tell me i have to do something even if they want to do it, if you told them, it's like a kid, right? They have to do it. They don't want to do right. it, right? Even if they want to. Um, right. And we've seen families of those individuals going on the news saying mm -hmm. uh, he, he or she is now asking everybody to take the COVID yeah. shot. I, I know guys, they're older. and uh, They were against the vaccine. Um, and I didn't get it right away. I got it, you know, probably in August. And then... Uh, but then they got COVID <laughs> and now they swear by the vaccine right? because it's just like the flu shot, you know, like, I don't know, maybe they need to rebrand it. I've always said, especially with the Democratic Party, they're terrible at branding things. And I think we had this discussion, too, um, at the Christmas party, but uh, they're just so bad at branding. <laughs> like, don't like it doesn't have to be a booster shot. You know, it could just be you just call it a, it's the, it's a new year and a yearly COVID shot. Yeah. It's just like a yearly flu shot. You right. go and you get it. I think it just trying to rebrand it would, would be more productive than um, the current, um, what you call it, the current uh, marketing strategy they have now, which also goes into um, what I wanted to bring up about the Joe Rogan thing was uh they don't like the people that he had on a show that were talking about the vaccines and, and alternative and, and things like that. Uh, but it turns out um, Pfizer is, uh, owns part of these different companies that are invested in interests like CNN and, right. and things like that. Uh, so him talking bad about it, they're kind of like, oh, you know, we can't <laughs> have this. That's a squishing competition, which is, you know, hey, whatever. Um, but um 
I think it just kind of circles back to like the marijuana issue, right? Like we could have had it, it could have been legal. Now it's illegal because of, you know, the paper and the other textiles and whatever. And it's, you know, people are being cured or, or feeling better because of cannabis and something. And, um, I mean, it's that was one of the major travesties of, of that time because it it, it literally, uh, um, I mean, it, here's an example, hempcrete, okay? We could build yeah. houses out of hemp. We could build houses out of hemp. And these houses would be termite-proof yeah. and fireproof. They're fireproof, hemp and lime. And imagine all of the trees that would be saved. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it it the, the the you could get more acreage on a, of material on an acre of hemp than an acre of forest, and it grows hemp within four months. Every four months, you could harvest. That's such a fast turnaround. No, See, like I, I said, this is a wonder plant that sadly these white industrious millionaires. No, work together with government mm-hmm. to kill the hemp and cannabis industry. But it, it, isn't it interesting, though? Like, I don't know, for my thing, you know, the, Democrats aren't necessarily in f- charge, right? Checks and balances, 50 50. Well, Senate, yeah, the right? Senate is 50 50. But it's like, it doesn't seem like since Biden won that there's any talk of reverting the, the marijuana laws or, or changing its designation. Or was it a scheduled one or something like that? Yeah, many, uh, many Democrats and people I know are, are are hoping the president will pay more attention to this, but he hasn't been. And uh, you well, know, there's there's a lot of things going <laughs> on that are a little bit more important. I mean, well, there, <laughs> in our United States Congress, you should be able to number one multitask, yes. and number two, that's why you have multiple members of congress and multiple agencies you don't have you don't just work on one thing you 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 work on multiple things and this though is important because it's agriculture mm-hmm. it's jobs it's economic development so the current administration and congress should be looking at this because it can really change society and change the world it it can didn't um did the state didn't we pass we have commercial hemp well, the federal government, I think in 2017 or 18, finally passed uh, legislation for hemp mm-hmm. to be um, grown. And, and what happened was um, um, so many people and businesses has gotten to the hemp industry, especially on the mainland, <laughs> but, the, but the market got saturated. Oh, I see. I, I, if I'm right, and, and uh, don't quote me on this, but for example, at one point, where um, the price of a hemp unit was a thousand dollars, like it dropped down to two hundred dollars or one hundred dollars. Oh, you, wow. you see, yeah. <laughs> that, that much saturation within the industry, and, and those numbers aren't accurate, but it was something of that nature. That because so many people wanted to get involved in it, and mm. and because it's still in its infancy, so to speak, uh, you know, the regulations rules are, are changing and. And being amended, and uh, but uh, the future looks good. The possibilities are good, and and Hawaii can uh, get on that one day if legally um, 
uh, cannabis is sold uh, for adult use worldwide. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the potential of, of of having a brand and strain that is nationally recognized already, just yeah, by, yeah. by two words, have right? Our own strain, uh, Maui Waui, right? Okay, yeah. Um, so there are possibilities, but uh, you know, we'll see how you know the, our grandfather's generation of politicians, mm -hmm. you know, are dying out. You know, they're in the leadership. At Congress right now, you know, our president, you know, he's that World War II generation. Mm -hmm. And um, and the change is coming with the millennials and the X-Gen and the, the tail end of the, I'm a tail end myself of the baby boomers mm -hmm. um, to see, you know, what's, what, what lies in store for us and, and technology and, you know, what we're doing with this podcast yeah. is going to be a big part of, uh, you know, what, uh, what type of society we live in and what's going to be available and and how instantaneous things will be or not be yeah 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 i, I always just thought that the, mar the marijuana thing was always so interesting to me like because in hawaii like you were saying like i felt like we had we had we still kind of do but again we're like hopping on the back of the train like we could have been like kind of near the forefront of, for for legalized marijuana yes we we were the in 2000 we were the first state legislature to pass medical cannabis. Mm -hmm. Now, prior to that, I think California did in 96, 98, somewhere around there. But we were one of the leaders in medical cannabis. But then it took till 2015, 16 to pass. Yeah. Well, wait, wait, I take that back. Okay. In 2000, we passed medical cannabis but it was homegrown medical cannabis. Mm. Let me clarify that. We passed it in 2000, but it took us till 2015, 16 to approve the dispensaries. So we fell behind that where we were once the leader. And then all these other states did medical cannabis. And then the West Coast states, um, you know, California, Oregon, Washington, Alaska, you know, they started passing the legalized uh, cannabis. Mm. And, and now, like I said, 18 states and it's going um you know it'll probably be half the country you know within five years or less do you think hawaii will lean that way this this session you I know mean, we need the money yes and and the states that you know have um they've, they've raised hundreds of million dollars on the mainland mm -hmm. uh, on tax revenues from cannabis so have you been to vegas they not are recently there's so much development going on. They have so much money from marijuana. Yeah. And maybe in the end, though, Hawaii, because we get a lot more of the Asian tourists, maybe the industry overall wouldn't be. What do you think? Do you think the industry would be as big as somewhere like Vegas or, or California? You're talking about cannabis? Yeah. Let's say legal, legal marijuana, like smoking, eating. Well, I, I don't think it'll be as big as the mainland just mm. because we're a smaller population. Yeah, true, true. And 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 the tourists won't be coming here because of cannabis. Mm -hmm. You know, they're coming here because of the sun and the fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for some the they they may. I mean, the I mean, just like there's medical cannabis, medical tourism, sports tourism, mm -hmm. you know, health tourism, uh, you know, arts tourism, there can be cannabis tourism. Um, but once it's legalized everywhere, mm -hmm. it, everyone will be competing. And that's where then it would be up to us if we can try to develop strains that are very popular. 
Yeah, and well. and even be a leader though in medical cannabis, <clears throat> because <throat> if we could be a leader in medical cannabis, uh, you know, there's something that'll will you'll have a global market for yeah. sure. And the whole industry would create more jobs. Uh, I think better paying jobs. Um, you know, and then even like with the universities to have the freedom to do their more research and things like that. Now, I'm curious, like in your book, the um, the topic of medical, is it medical marijuana or legalized just marijuana in general in the book? Um, it's about legalizing. Legalizing. Yeah, legalizing. The decriminalization is already in has already passed so now the discussion primarily is legalization i, I was gonna ask how it turns out but that would be giving it away <laughs> so I, I stopped myself <laughs> well cool man um i wanted to ask about the uh the casino what your thoughts on that were yeah, that's or legalized gambling i support a lottery mm-hmm. yeah. i think a lottery the casino i see both arguments yeah okay but as one who has gone to a casino, gambled myself, yeah. I, I remember growing up and, and going to the bingo halls with my mother. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, 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 so I, I support gambling in general, but, but not Las Vegas type. Mm. We can probably accommodate one casino on Oahu that I think could be a revenue generator, but I don't think we have the, I don't think the votes are at the, um, state capital because i mean even or or even the governor's race even if we could like you were saying like a lottery or like yeah like fundraising style like raising money through gambling games would be you know like i said i i understand both sides i I, i'm not a strong advocate for gambling but i you know i'd love to see mahjong halls (laughs) do you play mahjong by any chance you know (laughs) Your fiance probably does. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, my parents play mahjong. <laughs> uh, you know, my, my mom has a regular mahjong group. But I think mahjong could be a winner. Uh, yeah. You know, um, but, yeah, gambling has had a very difficult time because of the, the negative side of gambling. And I understand that. Mm. But if we were to reject everything because it had a negative side, we'd have to ban marriage. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a joke. <laughs> uh oh! No. Don't, don't cancel yourself. No, I'm kidding. No, but uh, <laughs> no, you know, society is what we want it to be, and, and right now, although people from Hawaii love to go to Vegas, mm-hmm. um, but uh, they're not. There's not a big demand pushing saying legalize. There just isn't. You know, I think that's just because residents have other worries and, and issues to deal with. Yeah. Uh, and I guess if they want to gamble, they go to uh, Vegas or they have a card game in their home, right? Yeah. Um, tr- I, and it, it is legal, I believe, to gamble with money in the confines of your home if it's just a friendly mm-hmm. wager and game, you know, with two or three of your friends. I believe that is legal. Mm. Yeah. But it's it's when you have you know the house winning and you have organized yeah. crime doing shit like that, you know that's uh, the game rooms. Yeah, the game rooms. You know that's the, game the rooms that's the illegal stuff, right? right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it also might end up just being something where it's like kind of like the beach, right? If you live near it, you don't necessarily go to it all the time because it's just it's there, right? Right, like, right. Uh, so a casino could be the same. I think people, I I support legalized gambling and all that. 
But I, I think that uh, people go to Vegas for the experience, not necessarily just to gamble, but for the whole experience and the traveling and getting off the island for a while. Uh, I'd like to see us maybe start with offshore gambling. Offshore yeah. gambling. You know, so, so nothing on the land. It would have to be on a boat, on mm -hmm. a ship. And, and you see what, you know, that way you can charge people to go in, mm -hmm. right? It's not like, like in Vegas, you just walk into anywhere, and, but you, you pay people to get, and they charge people to gamble, and, and, and you control it. And, you, and if it's a ship, for example, mm -hmm. it could go out for four hours, six hours, eight hours, 10 hours. Then you come back and you kick everybody off. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Versus a 24-hour casino. <laughs> you know? People are just... So, <laughs> I mean, to me, there are ways to do it. But again, we've never had the votes and um, the, the big push. Bills have been introduced over the years yeah. that have never had hearings. Interesting. Never. Yeah. I wonder if this one has a hearing. I, I haven't followed up on it. The one for legalized... You know, well, it did last year, right? Did it? The... the um, the, the one that was supported by the Department of Hawaiian Homelands. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah didn't that yeah. one have a hearing? Uh, I, th I, I'm not sure. I, I, I forget. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe that's we could check. But, hmm. but that got a lot of news in play, and I could see that getting a hearing, and then just probably they deferred it. Yeah, and, and I think the other side too is like but, the lobbyists. But let's see, because um, you know it has to start somewhere, and mm. and like with cannabis last year, I think the the Senate finally passed out a bill for legalizing cannabis, but the House of Representatives held it and didn't do anything with it. <sighs> so we'll see. Saving it for campaign season, that's why. Well, Smart. during campaign season is when they usually avoid those controversial stuff. That's true. That's so true. I don't think I'd be surprised if anything on cannabis for legalization passed, although I think they should. As a matter of fact, I, I recently sent uh, an article to all the legislators um, that showed uh, about the billions of dollars that the industry was generating and the taxes that it was um, generating for uh, government services. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of where I was talking about before when it comes to like, they want to raise minimum wage, but they also want to raise taxes. Um, I think what you were saying too, tied into your, your home, working from home, the home industry, yeah. like in my building, the state building that I work out of is pretty big for the amount of people that it has. And we're running the air conditioning, you know, the lights, and then the state overall has something like a $13 billion would it be backlog and maintenance. So like we can cut costs of government by, you know, consolidating all the resources into, you know, smaller entities um, and then use that revenue for other things like affordable housing or whatever. And then everything extra that would come from like a lottery or legalized marijuana, that extra tax money could go into programs that benefit people, um, hopefully. Um, but I guess, uh, before I let you go, if there's anything else you wanted to bring up whether, or plug your book another time. Oh yeah. You want it? Let's see. Can I, let's see. I don't know if the viewers could see that. Let's get your, let's get your, your elevator pitch. Let's see your sales pitch. Well, yeah, they can see this. This is my debut novel, Passion in Paradise. Uh, it's about two prominent families in Hawaii who interact in politics, business, love, and drama. And, you know, their friends and supporters and the private and personal lives of their friends and supporters are included in the storylines. And it is fiction. Uh, 
So it's not based on any true characters or real characters <laughs> or events. Uh, if there are some similarities, that's coincidental. Mm. And um, you know, it's available on on many book purchasing platforms. You know, Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble. Uh, again, I mentioned earlier, my uh, book signing mm-hmm. is um, February nineteenth, the third Saturday, two to five at Art at Mark's Garage, and first Friday, March fourth, at the Downtown Art Center, five thirty to eight o'clock. And and I'm trying to get my book uh, in some stores locally. I'm trying Barnes and Noble and and Target and Walmart. Um, oh, nice! But. Uh, you know, I'm learning a lot about the book industry. It's interesting, uh, a lot I don't know, and uh, sometimes it can be slow and inefficient. Uh, but uh, uh, again, books—it's a—it's a multi-billion-dollar industry worldwide. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, if we could turn it into a television series, uh, I'd like to to help Hawaii's economy. Um, and arts and culture are a great way um, to build, I believe, our post-COVID economy. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, I'll be there on the 19th for your book signing. Now, if there's too many people or you run out of books, what are you going to you going to have another day? Yeah. If I run out of books, that, that's great. But, um, you know, some people have already um, purchased books. Mm-hmm. I've already signed a few. And, um, you know, they, since they can get it online. And the Kindle version is obviously much cheaper than the paperback or the hardcover. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's, oh, I guess, but it, when they order from Amazon, is that coming, do you ship it to them or does that come from the no, that goes, publisher? Yeah. From the, uh, printer distributor directly to the person who bought it. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 I was confused. Yeah. About there's that. many, um, components and the author has control over, uh, none of it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's, so that's why. Uh, you know. That's why you got to do like the podcast yeah. like this, where you have full control. Well, you know, either I, you know, what I found is, you either market your book yourself, or you pay someone to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think most authors, you know, don't have the money to to pay someone. So that's where social media and and this is very useful and helpful. Mm-hmm. And again, it's 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 a new uh, it's an it's a new era in terms of um. Um, part-time income and, and career um, choices. Yeah, right? and I'm fortunate that I I can do this, uh, you know, without stressing on how many books have I sold. Yeah, um, this is really, uh, I guess, when they say if you love something, and, and I really enjoy creating. Yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah, and um, you know, I have a couple other projects in mind, um, uh, a play, mm-hmm. possibly a musical. Oh yeah, yeah. Are you going to be in it? You got to put yourself as like some like a police chief. Well, or... I I could always be that um, uh, you know you know what, what um what uh, you know where you have a uh, oh I'm I'm senior moment you know where Alfred Hitchcock was in the um um he'd be on the side and you'd see his face yeah 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 what do you call that again oh like a silhouette or <laughs> no um. You know what I mean, right? Where you show the the writer or the character, but he doesn't have any words. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like a cameo. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I, cameo. Okay. That's what I mean. 
I was thinking silhouette. I was thinking about the pic, you know, right, the right. black thing. Yeah, but a cameo appearance or something. <laughs> you know, I like that. But uh, yeah, I, and and James, I want to thank you for having me over and doing this, and uh, hopefully, uh, a few people uh, will listen to it. And if anyone's interested, um, I can be uh, contacted at William dot at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, William dot at gmail dot com. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I guess your son is a Marine, right? My son, uh, he just, uh, he's he was on the East Coast in Europe for like 10, 11 years, mm-hmm. and he just got stationed at K-Bay. Oh, so, wow, nice. Yeah, he's, a, he's a major now at K-Bay. Awesome. Yes. Well, I just give, give him a shout out, fellow, Thank you, yeah, fellow veterans there. For his so. service, and, and let's hope that... Um, Putin does the right thing and takes a step back. I, I, <laughs> I think he might be, and that um, all the noise that's happening around Ukraine will uh, will subside. Yeah, I, I I hope so too because we we that's a whole other topic, but we just don't need yes, you're right. more conflict right. in the world. And now. and um, you know I you know Putin uh, he's gonna look like a major pariah and a bad guy and I think he gets it or he knows it mm. or he might have miscalculated I'm hoping yeah. so we'll see because I mean he can't beat the United States and, and NATO he just can't nah. nah and and we have troops so close yeah. to the border they're training always you know in Poland well, and whatnot, we, so. yeah we do not but <laughs> but let's make it clear we do not want to be in a shooting war yeah we don't and I think President Biden with what they're talking about the economic sanctions, I think that'll that, that that's the way to do it. Of course, you know, mm-hmm. you 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 take away anybody's wallet, mm-hmm. or you you know limit how many times you can go to the bank yeah. and make a withdrawal <laughs> or whatever the case may be. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, that's the right tactic, and that's maybe how warfare should be from now on. Yeah, let's not kill each other, folks. Let's just yeah. threaten to cut off your pipeline or block your um, <laughs> the ships from coming in or whatever the case may be. Or we send the leaders to fight each other instead of the millions of other people who mm-hmm. somehow always end up We'd fighting to, these wars for them. Yeah. That's right. You know, legalize cannabis and junk in a pole, and that's how we solve world <laughs> problems. I like well, I thank you very much. We'll uh, cut it off here, and uh, good luck with your book signing and, and your sales. I hope it's on the New York Times bestseller list. All right. All right.